This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the Therapy Group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Oh, it's good to be back. <laughs> to be back. Holiday season is upon us. That's what I hear. That word on the street. <laughs> the word on the streets is that it's cold and rainy and slightly miserable. So you know it must I, be in the holidays. You know what I love about cold weather? Not a lot. <laughs> However, I do love turtleneck season. Oh, God, you fucking loved And you I'm, have loved turtlenecks. You are. That's because um, Steve Jobs is your um, style inspiration. He is. And um, what's her face? Elizabeth Ther- Theros. Uh, uh, Theros was no, her name? No, Theros was her thing. Elizabeth oh. Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. That's who you. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> we should get it together. Um, also, I have like a very long neck. One time my mom's friend <laughs> <laughs> said, you, you have the neck of a goose. <laughs> and I was like, it was like in seventh grade, you know, when you feel real insecure about yourself to begin with. She said, you have the neck of a goose. I said, it's <laughs> kind. Thank you. <laughs> was she wrong? <laughs> yes. yes. Never have I looked at you and I'm like, wow, you know what that girl's got? Big ass neck. Like never have I like, never thought about your neck. I've never looked at your neck. I have never. 
<laughs> is that why you always talk about your hair trauma to distract from your neck trauma? I think they're intertwined in a way. <laughs> you know, they're like one in the have same. The neck of a goose. <laughs> <laughs> who says that to a seventh grader? <laughs> Just who says that? <laughs> That's why I love turtle turtleneck season. <laughs> That's another reminder this holiday season, folks. Don't fucking comment on anyone else's body. There's no need there. To... There it is. There's whether you, whether you think it's silly or not, and whether you think you're being a silly goose or not, <laughs> I am a silly goose <laughs> with, a with the neck of one silly goose um, neck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I really threw us off course. <laughs> um, but we have a question today from. <laughs> One of our, I'm like, yes, about my gooseneck. We have an amazing I just, question. I can't believe you've never told me this story before. I just, I like to surprise you at the beginning of our episodes for new. It just, I so like Molly to, wrote it. So Molly asked an amazing question. Mm-hmm. Emily knows my answer to this, but yeah. we're still going to answer it for everyone. What was the first concert you ever went to? Do you know what mine was? Mine's, mine's amazing. <laughs> I I feel like you're gonna tell me, and I'm gonna be like, "That's amazing." <laughs> okay, tell me. Share. Oh, that is amazing. That's a, that's that's a the, really good that one. My parents took me and my friend to share. How old my were first you? concert ever? I don't know. Young, probably like eleven or twelve. Oh. And then after my second concert was that I. This is also gonna blow your mind. Was Q concert twelve? Q concert twelve. Remember Q concerts like Q one hundred two. Q one hundred two. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I won. The tickets, of course, because I was doing my homework at night and I fucking called in with the top five songs of the night. And I'm on the phone hysterical. I mean, you would have thought I won three billion dollars. My behavior was so insane. And then they like put you on this other line. Like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm under 18. My mom is here. My mom is here. Like, (laughs) You were so excited. (laughs) Okay, but I have to say there's something about you where you win things all the time. All the time. And as, as your friend, I'm really jealous. It's rude, right? It's really rude. And I would just would like you to throw me some of those things. But wait, I have this story. One time I was in, so I went to, I don't know if I've told this story before. I went to Penn State. Like Penn State, the first few years of your class at Penn State, you, there were massive lecture halls, right? So like when you, or like later when you're in your specialty um, and you're a major, they're smaller. But at the beginning, that shit, you were in like 300 person lecture halls for like every fucking class, right? And so I was in class with my best friend, Brielle, my best friend to this day. Um, and she, and I look at her and there's there pumpkins on the front. And she's like, oh, they're like, we're going to do a class attendance raffle. And I look at Brielle and I said, guarantee Garen fucking see out of these 300 people, I, w- I win that fucking pumpkin. Of course what you did. What happened? I won that fucking pumpkin. Then where? I had to carry that goddamn thing all the way I was going to say, the I don't know if that's a great thing to win. It was not. But I am telling you, I was like, I win everything. You really do. That would make me never go to class again, right? Like, why? <laughs> why is that reinforcing attendance for you to carry around a gigantic pumpkin that literally would be the last thing I it was the day of win. halloween it was halloween right still i don't know if that makes that better or worse no but at pissed. the time it was more just like oh look it's at this un- watch me i'm un- magical we also went to our wonderful friend dr z we went to her like book she had like a book party and there was this like huge gift we were doing a raffle and emily won it again Wait. And it was Botox. I know. It was like $250 to a hair salon, $250 to um, clothing, and then like $250 Botox. Oh, and I want it. 
That's all I'm saying. Okay, so but that was my first concert. But Sh- but Cher was my first one. So that is an amazing first concert. Agreed. And yes. I would also say mine is up there. Alanis Morissette, who I just really want to come on the podcast because I really just want to chat with We've her. We've tried. I'm a big fan. We've tried. I know. You are a huge fan of Alanis Morissette. So much. She was at the Psychotherapy Networker. You, do you cry when you saw her? You know, almost. She, I thought you did cry, I'm going to be honest. That's why I yeah, said I that mean, comment. I cry pretty easily. <laughs> I cry pretty easily. I didn't go. I but, laid on the couch. Yeah. But it was... I was, Jen was there three hours early. Yeah, I, I was. Home. <laughs> I was like a groupie at the Psychotherapy Networker. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was six years old. Holy shit. I don't think I realized that part of the story. You were six I years was, old. My parents brought us when I was six years old. Because they loved Alanis Morissette or because at yeah. six you loved her so much? No, no. I think they loved her. And then it turned oh. me into like the, you know. Where like was it at? Grungy. I have no idea. Like, do you yeah, ever do you know where? No. Do you ever know where you are at six well, years old? No. I don't know. But I know it was like a story your parents had. And like they knew the owner of this cool nightclub. No, and, you know, no, it no. Okay. It was like she was very famous at that point. It was that like, it was that like a, yeah. I'm just assuming you're one million years old. So that makes I sense am. to me. I mean, I Yes, am. that's what I thought. <laughs> um, Hey, today episode we're going to do a whole bunch of dear emma jen at the end of the year we have so many dear emma gems we never got to we know everyone writes this up they're so vulnerable when they write in and um we want to try to get through a few of the next few episodes because we we want people people write these in and they want us to answer and i'm so sorry if we didn't get to yours and we're gonna try to get to what we get today the thing that i wanted to say too i don't know if we've ever announced this if you're listening to this and you're wondering how do i submit a question uh, how do i submit a dear emma jen you follow us on instagram at shrink chicks Nikki posts question box. So boxes, you can write in a question. And if you have a longer Dear Em and Jen, you can message it to us or you can go on shrinkchicks.com and you can send in a contact form. I was thinking about that the other day that people might not know how to submit these questions. So follow us on Instagram and write in your questions to the question boxes when we post them. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? (laughs) It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. 
A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash chicks. Let's get to it. Ready? I'm ready. Dear Emma Jen, first, I just want to say how amazing your podcast is. It's been such an eye-opening and informative piece of my journey. I've referenced things I've thought about, learned, and need to dig deeper in my therapy sessions. So much my therapist has listened to your podcast and told other clients of hers about it. You guys remind me of my own therapist. I look forward to every week's episode. Love you. My husband and I have been together for nine years, married seven. We have two kids. When we had our first four years ago, our world was rocked. Major problems we had before kids were magnified and became things I could no longer ignore. His communication is basically non-existent. He doesn't want to talk about things because he thinks he'll create an argument. When anything is brought up, he immediately gets defensive, feels like he's back into a corner and just pushes back about everything I say. Therefore, everything turns into an argument and fuels what he thinks. From your podcast episode about narcissistic personality disorder, we have fully realized and accepted that his mom is a narcissist. Knowing this has helped immensely in understanding more of how he grew up and why he responds the way he does. It has also led to going no contact after his and hers very toxic relationship. I've been in therapy for four years. I've practiced in therapy about how I respond, and I've worked extremely hard to fix how I communicate and approach situations. We've talked about different ways to approach things with him. I have asked how I can approach topics better. I've tried so many different ways to communicate my needs and express things along with my partner. He prefers to have these conversations over text, which I absolutely hate because he can take longer to process. So I've done that. I've told him I want to talk about XYZ and can we talk about it a certain time so he has time to think about it and mentally prepare and be ready for it. Nothing works. He either just gets mad at me and doesn't say anything when I give him space and come back to it later. He states he doesn't remember what I said, which irritates me and I lose it. I have communicated my unmet needs and nothing has changed in years. I have tried different ways of communicating, even asking him um, what would make it easier, make him more comfortable to discuss things. No way has been successful. I talk and open up. He gets mad or stays completely silent. I try to talk about parenting and he just goes into defense and says, I tell him how to parent and thinks he's so shitty as a parent. 
I've never said or implied anything like that. He thinks that having him open up and communicate more is changing who he is as a person and why would I want to change him? I've tried telling him how you communicate is not your personality and people are supposed to change and grow. So I'm at a loss about how to get through to him about anything. I struggle with people-pleasing anxiety, so this silence makes my mind go wild. I'm starting to become resentful and super frustrated. I've literally lost it at what else I can do. And I'm so lost and confused and what I can do to be heard. How else can I try to reach my partner to be heard? Thank you so much for all you do and appreciate you. Wow. First, just want to acknowledge that when you're in a relationship, and you feel like you're trying absolutely everything and you're not getting a lot back, how frustrating that can be. And it's understandable that you would reach this point of almost desperation. One of the things I hear is that you're doing all of the work for the entire relationship. You're going to therapy, you're trying different ways of communicating, you're looking at yourself and what you can do differently. And what we know is that it takes two people to make a relationship work. And I think there's a question to ask yourself is, how much does your partner want this to work? How much work are they putting into it? There was one thing I wanted to address and that he said he would rather text and that to be able to acknowledge that our partners communicate better through different mediums is really important. And if texting makes it easier for him to communicate and open up, then texting might be the way to go or maybe through email. I think um, we talk about it in terms of a pursuer withdrawaler dynamic, mm-hmm. right? One of the things we know is to start with the withdrawaler. So if you're the one who pursues and they're the one that withdraws, um, we have to start with getting him to come out a little bit. But I know that also sucks what I'm saying because it's like, oh, great. Once again, I have to be the bigger fucking person. And that's when we talk about is the resentment, right? Like the jealousy that you might start to have towards your partner that I'm the one who has to do all the work. And they get to stay stagnant. And you might have to say, well, what's my breaking point here? Yeah. If none of this changes, how sustainable is this? Is it still sustainable? Is it okay? I just get my needs met elsewhere. We figure out just how to co-parent together or parallel parent, like whatever it is. Or is this truly not sustainable as a marriage anymore? And have you ever said that to your partner? I don't know if I'll be happy here. I don't know. Here's the way that it really does affect me long term. And here's my dreams I have for us. My dreams is that we can go out and talk and love each other and have emotional intimacy. And that's a really hard thing to do. And it sounds like, yeah, like, Jen, I think you use the perfect word that you start to hit desperation. You know, I know you mentioned that your partner grew up with a narcissistic mother. Because of that, His model of relationships, right, might be that the only way to stay connected is to get defensive, is to shut down, is to react in the ways that he is still reacting, right? So he is taking certain survival, certain coping mechanisms that he learned from that relationship and bringing it into his relationship with you. Doesn't mean it's right, but it might be really terrifying 
for your partner to be able to, number one, look at the traumas that they've been through that have created that dynamic. And then number two, be able to work to change those patterns because of the pain that would have been caused if they were changed growing up. And so what you're seeing, it sounds like in his responses, is this like real, another, you know, desperate need to protect himself, um, something that has built up for so many years. And there's a really difficult time bringing that down. And I also wonder what it brought up for your partner to have children after going through that experience himself with his own mother, right? Like what did that, that, and, and yeah, the, the stuff might've been there, but when you have kids, what did that bring up for him? Mm. Is there a fear of, well, I'm going to turn into that. And what does that look like? You know, you mentioned him saying something like, oh, well, you're calling me a shitty parent. I tell him how to parent and he thinks he's a shitty parent. So I just wonder if there's such a fear of, well, I don't want to be that. I don't want to turn into that. So anything that you say that makes me think that that's happening, it's like when someone points out any insecurity that we have, Yeah. right? It's so easy to get defensive about it because it's a fear that we already have about ourselves. And so I wonder what that brought up for him to become a parent himself and yeah. what fear that brought up for him. But I also think let's take someone who's like highly defensive, right? There is yeah. a different way to communicate to them, which is that we have to get a new system as a marriage. We blame the system, not the person. Yeah. Right. So, hey, me and you, since we've had kids, our whole fucking world's been rocked and we have not developed a new system for our marriage and for our love for each other. And I guess we have to develop that now. And now maybe part of that system is the text messages. But maybe another part is I need you to come towards me. And another part is that I'm not coming after you. I'm coming towards you. The thing that I love that you're saying is that when you're approaching it, you're talking about it as a team. Like, listen, this isn't working the way that we're doing this together. Yeah. Not you're doing this. Because as we said, it sounds like you're putting all this work in. So if you start approaching this like as a team, how do we work on this together? Like, I understand. I, I don't want to change you. However, I also want to make sure that like we're figuring this out and being being a parent is hard, right? It brings up all of your stuff. And so can you sit down and talk about it? It's like, let's talk about this as a team. And if, if you know, your partner, if there's any teams that your partner works in in general, you can bring that in, right? Like at work, if someone came to you and said, hey, like, let's work on this together. What does that look like for you? Like, what's the best way to do that? Because I want to work on this as a team. So yeah. to start to infiltrate your communication by saying we and like what can we do together How, what does this look like for us I wonder what that would change or what that would be like mm -hmm. in your relationship to start to talk like that and you have to go to couples therapy yeah yeah I mean that's the bottom line that's, yeah <laughs> that's the thing here but the thing is this person said they've been together for nine years and they've had a child uh, first child four years ago you became a pandemic mommy yeah and a lot of us had very different experiences because even though your child was one-ish when the pandemic hit, you didn't have the typical um, situation where mommy groups and different stuff like that. It was probably just difficult. And then it was just harder on your marriage. Becoming first-time parents is incredibly difficult. Going through that during the pandemic is incredibly difficult. You guys went through this really difficult family transition of the cutoff with um, your mother-in-law. Your relationship has been through a lot. but also. 
your relationship is nine years old. Any nine-year-old doesn't have the best skills in the world, right? So the developmental age of your relationship is still working through some shit. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that to have growing pains. So you got to go to couples therapy. Figure out how you're going to get them in and how you're going to phrase this, but always leading with generosity. I know that you're fucking pissed. You're allowed to be fucking pissed. And still, we're going to ask you to hold on to some of that pissedness till you can have generosity towards it to work towards the shared goal of keeping this family and marriage together because I think that is your goal. Yeah. And I would also say too, as the partner that is putting all this work in, give yourself a little bit of a break. <laughs> you know, that the overfunctioning is coming from this level of anxiety of like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to read every book. I'm going to go to therapy, which is wonderful. Like it is wonderful that you're doing that. But at the same time, you also have to take care of yourself. You have yeah. to give to yourself in ways. And if you are always in the state of heightened anxiety of what else can I do? What more can I do? And I understand that that's going to be there. But give yourself moments of breaks. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some time to rest because you need that too. And in any relationship, it's so important for each partner to be able to take care of themselves, to have to hold on to parts of themselves so that they can give to the relationship. So I also want you to ask yourself, like, how much have you been giving to yourself? How much have you been taking care of yourself through this? Or is the focus only on, well, what do I do? How do I get him to talk? Focusing on him. And because in the end, there's a lot of that that might be out of your control. And so if you could ground yourself and say, also, at the same time, how do I take care of myself through this? If I'm not getting my needs met, how can I give to myself? How can I meet those needs myself? And then how can I come back to the relationship and say, how can we do this together as a team? I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience 
convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. Very good. You ready for the next one? Yep. You want me to read it? Yeah. (laughs) Dear Em and Jen, I need advice. I'm almost 30, never been in a relationship, and just started dating a great guy. I have an avoidant attachment style, and I'm quick to find faults and avoid closeness. It's a huge deal that I'm still seeing this guy after a month and a half. How do I figure out what's preventing me from allowing this great guy to get close to me? I have childhood sexual abuse trauma, attachment struggles, and grew up in a family where I learned not to have needs, especially the need for romantic relationships, sex, and emotional connection. Mm -hmm. Where do I even start to unpack this? It feels so daunting and terrifying. It feels like it would just be easier to give up and live alone in the safety of my hyper-independence. I have an amazing therapist that I love, but this just feels so hard. Any thoughts on how or where to start? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. All right. First of all, you you got awareness yeah. and insight on lock, babe. Yes. You have already had the first two steps down. You see it. You see exactly what's happening. The question is, how do you get the action? <laughs> right? So I'm going to tell you the worst thing that you want to hear. This is What I'm about to say is what you don't want to hear. <laughs> which is you fucking hustle through it, (laughs) which is you do the opposite of what your impulse tells you to do. Your impulse tells you to not call him, give him a call. Your impulse tells you to run away. What if you stayed? Yeah. Right? And how would you know what is automatic response versus what is intentional thought and choice? Yeah. Because because the insight and awareness for this person is already off the charts amazing. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing as I was reading it. And I think that there's a huge common misconception that you have to be fully healed from trauma in order to have a successful relationship. And the fact of the matter is that healing can happen within the relationship, but it can only happen if you allow yourself to open up slowly to it. And I know that that takes time, especially when you have gone through what you've gone through. But the awareness of it is really you know, number one, because as you start to share and unpack these things with your therapist, it as you start to build safety in your relationship, you can also start to share if it feels comfortable for you where some of these traumas might come up, right? Where if you feel activated in a certain way, if, you know, there's something sexual happening and you're starting to feel triggered by past emotional sexual abuse then for you to be able to communicate that to your partner and say like, hey, I need to take a break right now. Like this is this is feeling really activating for me. Your partner can hear you. They can create safety for you. There are ways to create this safety and there are ways to do this healing within the context of the relationship. 
And it makes a lot of sense to me that every defense mechanism you have is saying, push this person away. They're not safe, right? Keep them away. But that sounds like an inner child talking of, I don't need anyone. I'm going to protect myself from ever being hurt again. But the fact of the matter is, as human beings, we all want connection, right? We all want, you wouldn't be looking for a relationship in general if that wasn't a real need, right? And so whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's family relationships, right? We all want this need and connection, but past traumas that we have gone through create this defense for us, keep us separate, separated in our relationships. And so it's beautiful that that's something you want to work through. It's also something that you get to look at on a case-by-case basis to say, what's being activated here, right? Like, what is this bringing up for me that I want to push him away right now, right? Mm -hmm. Am I fearful that he's going to hurt me? Am I fearful that um, I'm going to be hurt? Or is this feeling too vulnerable for me? Because you get to also say in the relationship, like, hey, this is feeling really vulnerable for me. And I recognize that when that happens, I do X, Y, and Z to push people away. And so I want to be very conscious of that because I really like you and I really like where this is going and I really want this to work. And I also want to express to you when that's happening. And I need to take a few minutes to take care of myself so that I can come back to the relationship and open back up to you. So the awareness of it on a case-by-case basis, minute by minute of like the closer you get to this person, the more vulnerable it's going to feel, the more your defense is going to come up, are going to come up, the more you can communicate that in the relationship. I really like what you're talking about in terms of like the inner child work around this, right? So the inner child is screaming, "Um, I don't need you. I don't need this. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. But let's look at some of the parts of that. So one part of the inner child is saying that. Is there another part of the inner child? The one that doesn't have to be so quick to push away. And what is that inner child looking for? You said... I grew up in a family where I learned not to have needs, especially the need for romantic relationships, sex, and emotional connection. Mm. Those are actually just human needs. Yeah, human interest, right? And so what would it be like to admit that you have those? What do you feel like that says about you to be human? Mm-hmm. Because part of being hyper-independent and totally um, self-sufficient is to not be human. Yeah. What's so bad if I am? And giving those things to yourself, right? That is reparenting your inner child for you to be able to acknowledge, oh, actually, I do did need that love. Like I did need someone to show up for me when I needed them. The more that you can acknowledge that that was important to you, the more that you can acknowledge that, yeah, you learned that hyper-independence as a protection mechanism. And that the things that you once learned that you needed, you no longer need anymore. And for you to be able to give that to yourself, to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let this guard down. I'm going to let this person be there for me is you also reparenting that inner child to say, you do have these needs and it's okay that you had these needs. And just because they weren't taken care of as a child doesn't mean that they can't be taken care of now. All right, we have to get to one more, Jim, before the episode's oh, wow. over. Wow. Yes, I know. I know. That's why I want to make sure that we're getting through them. Okay. Because we're like, we're going to do these episodes. We're going to get to all the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, And then we just keep talking. 
<laughs> we don't shut up. <laughs> so I have a lot to say. If I ever have an, a memoir, I said it's going to be um, just stop talking would be yes. the name of my memoir. Um, and that's what we need to do right now so we can actually get to these questions. Um, okay, so you ready for the next one? Yes. This is a very interesting one. I think people are going to be like this one. Dear Emma Jim, I love my partner dearly, but I don't enjoy being in public with them very often. My partner is often poor at holding conversations, distracted, and can raise their voice at minor inconveniences and generally tends to get overwhelmed by their social anxiety environment. I find that my partner's social anxiety drains my energy, and I feel like I can't separate their responses in public from my own enjoyment. In private, my partner is much more relaxed, and we can maybe have some really in-depth conversations and enjoyment. I feel responsible for their experiences, but I'm just trying to stop. I try to go out on my own and it's great, but I'd love to enjoy being in public with my partner. I'm trying to decide if this is something to work on or just let go. Most importantly, I love to have a date with them in public and have a more relaxed relaxed experience of something new together, but it really has never happened how I wish it would. How can I address this? How can I enjoy myself? My partner has extreme anxiety. Is it okay to remove social outings from your relationship? If you were in my shoes, what would you do? Thank you for all you do, you two beautiful souls. So a few different questions. I want to make sure we answer their exact questions. Yeah. And I'm going to start with, if you were in my shoes, what would you do? Okay. I, so the thing that I think is really important and something that I think is I have learned over time is to drop your expectations about what your partner should be and accept who they are. And I think that that is a huge learning game when you get into a relationship is that we all enter into a relationship with specific expectations around this is what I want my relationship to look like. This is how it's going to look. This is what my partner is going to do. We're going to do these social things. And so I think when you start to really get to know someone, when you start to really get to know your partner, you start to realize that there are a lot of expectations that you may have had going into the relationship that they don't fit in, right? And your relationship doesn't end up that way because your partner, no matter what, will not fit into that box that you've created, that you've probably created over time for a long period of time, looking at movies, looking at friends, looking at your parents' relationship, whatever it is. And so the thing that I would say is to start to look at your own expectations around your relationship, what your relationship should look like and what your how your partner should be. And I, it, that sounds like you're in a bit of a contemplation stage of, is this something I should let go? And should I say like, okay, it's okay for us to not have these social things that I expected, right? I really like the time that we have when it's just the two of us. And that on the other hand of it, as you keep trying to pull your partner into these social situations, it ends up being very anxiety provoking for the both of you. So you very much get to decide what your relationship looks like. The two of you get to decide that together. It is absolutely okay that you spend time together at home and maybe you go out on your own and you're getting that fulfillment and maybe your partner doesn't need that. And that's okay. And so the question for you, I would say, is, is that essential for you in order to maintain your relationship that your partner can go out socially? Is that so important to you? Is that 
something that genuinely is going to fulfill you in the relationship. Because if that's something that's going to be really hard for you to not have, then it might be something to really question within the relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, she said, if you were in my shoes, what would you do? You probably be hard for you to answer that because this is your dream person. Yeah, you don't really, you. yeah, I'd be like, great, <laughs> let's hang at home <laughs> forever. <laughs> like, uh, am you I, the, is this, is this, this about my you? husband <laughs> writing it? <laughs> Did your husband write this in about <laughs> like, you, actually? Yes. Very, very possible. I mean, but I can, I, think, I can fake it, you know, yeah, like you I'm can. really good at it, but, but yeah. But I think maybe. that's the thing is this person's also talking about how their reactivity towards it, right? Yeah. So here's the thing, this person who wrote in, you're openly admitting, I feel like I can't separate their responses in public from my own enjoyment, right? So you're openly admitting that you're triggered by this shit. Yeah. So here's the other thing I would say, what's activating you? I would ask you to actually look a little bit deeper as well of like, what's so activating? Are you worried that people are looking at you? Are you worried about what it says about you? Like, you'd be like, I would be interested in how like this brings up this activation um, for the person who wrote in. Because in some ways, I think about it like at the beginning, um, you have to find what works for you, right? So I'm even thinking about, I struggled a lot leaving the house with my daughter when I became a mom. I still get anxious. We're going to go to the zoo this weekend and I'm already anxious about taking her, right? I'm worried about something that's going to happen. I'm worried if she's going to have a meltdown. I look like a horrible mom, right? Like all this stuff, like I can have those stuff. Um, And at the beginning, it stopped me from going places. But you start to say like, okay, I don't want to never leave my house. So I have to find something that works. So at the beginning, I only took my daughter to um, like breweries because they're already loud and nobody gave a fuck and it was like already kind of messy right, right, like, right. Very, and like very, it's like adults are having breakdowns <laughs> <laughs> not just right. kids but also but adults like always in like pretty big warehouses <laughs> yeah. sound was a little different you know what i mean like yeah. so i found certain ways so the thing i would also say to my partner is hey one this is what's happening for me and i'd like to find a way to do it what is a better environment for you could we start could we start something else what works for us yeah I would also say, what's the aftermath? Like, yeah, as you were asking the question of what is this like for you? Like, what anxieties is it bringing up for you? Like, is after you go out into a social situation, like what happens at home after with your partner? Like, how are you guys communicating through? Is it just that you feel his anxiety when you're out and then you come back home and it's fine? You know, I just I just would want to know what the aftermath is and like yeah. how how that ends up affecting the relationship moving forward. Or is it just what's happening at the social event? Yeah. I was but also I mean, thinking like, mm-hmm. can you find secluded places to do? Where do you live? Right. Do you yeah, live in a city? Know, yeah. You know, if you live in a city, can you go into the suburbs and like you know, have a little picnic. I feel like they're maybe not in the cold weather if you're in cold weather, but like, are there ways? And maybe you can talk about this of like, I really enjoy spending time with you. I want to spend time with you out. But is there, are there secluded places that we can go to that feel less overwhelming for you? I'm also wondering, right, you're talking about your partner's social anxiety. Would they label it that? Does your partner know they have social anxiety? What does your partner label this as? Is this an open conversation you both have? Right. Oh, great question. Right. Like, have you ever said this? And does your partner, I mean, listen, I'm not going to diagnose, but like, does your partner have ADHD? (laughs) And how uh, overstimulated do they get? I mean, yeah, because that that sounds like a definition. Like, can your partner go have a wonderful time going on a hike? 
which if you ask them to go into a busy crowded restaurant on a Saturday night is that very different right like so like what are the things and that's what I mean like how do you work within but I think that's very hard to do if there's not open communication around it like I really struggled in college and um, malls, like if I would go to malls or when they were really crowded before I mm-hmm. knew that I had ADHD, I would have labeled it as anxiety Yeah, and being, but I was simply overstimulated by my environment. Mm-hmm. And since I figured out that it was ADHD, it has completely changed my narrative about myself, my understanding of what's happening for me. And so it also might be important for your partner to to figure that if they want to, right, to figure out like what's going on there, because it is really common with ADHD to be overly stimulated in mm-hmm. environments like that, where it just feels like overload and you can't pay attention. And it's it really affects your nervous system. And so that's what I would say, too, is that I, I wonder if there's something else besides just social anxiety going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's it for today's episode. So thank you, thank you but, so much for listening. Hey, we have more. We have part two of this. Don't worry. Oh yeah, we have up. part two. Dear Emma Jim, more questions. Of this part two coming on. Um, we're happy you spent today with us. Hey, have a great rest of your week. We will talk to you soon. Don't forget to always rate, review, um, subscribe, follow on Apple Podcast. We always ask you to check us out at Shrink Chicks on Instagram and all the other places. Shrinkchicks.com. Buy our merch. We have some great merch. It's getting cold outside. We have really great sweatsuits. You have to go check them out. Shrinkchicks.com slash merch. Um, we have an amazing journal on um, Amazon. You can do Shrink Chicks journal. Write that into Amazon. And if you're listening to this and you're like, you want to know what? I could do a little bit more depth. I could do a little individual work. We would love to connect you with one of our amazing clinicians at the therapy group at thetherapygroup.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're just so goddamn lucky we get to do this as part of our jobs, right? So lucky. So don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes. I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.